What's going on, everybody? Ranjan Gallardi here to bring you another episode of The Call to Violence. So thank you guys for answering, as always. It was a super busy weekend of fights. We had UFC, we had Bellator, we had a big top-rank boxing fight. Uh, two of those events all on ESPN. Uh, one kind of bleeding into the other. Um, uh, and then we got UFC 254 this weekend. Uh, so let's get right into the nitty-gritty things. Let's uh, recap um, some of the, uh, the fights this weekend. Then we'll break down the card uh, this weekend, and then we'll get into some other fun stuff. So let's start with Bellator. Let me just bring up the fight real quick. Uh, if I can bring up my stuff here. I had everything ready, and now... There we go. So uh, this was uh, Bellator's debut on CBS Sports. And for whatever reason, uh, there's a lot of curses in MMA. You used to have the UFC heavyweight curse, which still kind of might be a thing. Um, you had like that three title fight on a card curse and always, 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 always when any major promotion debuts on a major network or a new network, the first card, it's always, it, they always kind of stack them and then everything usually goes to shit, whether the main events end super quick or in Bellator's case, half of the fights get canceled and you know, or something unfortunate always happens and that, yeah, and that, that same very thing happened with Bellator. Um, first things off, though, you know, people were kind of giving them shit about, you know, having the fight on a Thursday. But when you're, you know, as a promotion, when you're trying to fill your schedule and you're trying to, you know, lay all that out, um, even though it was supposed to be like a big debut, you know, you did have uh, UFC this weekend. You did have top rank and, you know, that that uh, Tiafimo Lopez, uh, Vasily Lomachenko fight is going to trump anything. Um you know, going into the weekend, so I thought that was smart. I know they, I guess they could have gone on Friday, um, but you know, I, you know, a lot of people shit on weekday night fights. Uh, I think if done correctly, you can pull it off. I remember being a kid um, in middle school, and I loved when UFC, when the UFC would um, launch the Ultimate Fighter with a fight night card bleeding into it. That was, oh, I loved Wednesday night fights as a kid. Um, I still think you know if you're kind of. You know, you got something to look forward to, you know, when you get home, uh, if the card starts, you know, late enough. Um, but uh, I, I don't know how that goes for the East Coast because then, you know, those cards will probably be going into like 1, 2 a.m. and then it's a work night. But for us on the West Coast, they, they're great. They're great. Um, I'm not sure how casual fans like it, but being a hardcore, I loved Wednesday night fights. So I didn't really have a problem with them debuting on a Thursday. Um, but, dude, I mean... Uh, I think the fight I was most excited for, uh, you know, between uh, with, with uh, Patricky Pitbull, um, you know, that got canceled, that got stra that got scratched. He got uh, came down with some I forget what the name of it is, but couldn't compete. Uh, Sadawad gets kicked in the groin uh, a minute into the fight. He can't continue. That was supposed to be a banger. Um, Leandro Higo kind of does what he's supposed to do, and uh, you know, takes Ricky Mendejas down. Uh, chokes him out relatively, well, in the second round, but, I mean, there wasn't much to that fight. And then, you know, Chris Cyborg also gets it done rather quickly and rather easily. Um, so breaking down these two fights real quick. So, you know, Ricky Mendejas, you know, he jumps on the scene. He gets that great win over, um, over oh, man, what's the Irish kid's name? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's been a long day. Let's see. I, I'm gonna, uh, James Gallagher, that's right. Uh, over James Gallagher, and, you know, if you look at Ricky's record since he's beaten Gallagher, Gallagher, 
has not had any easy fights. I mean, he's fought the best. He's fought uh, the two guys who just fought for the belt in Patchy and um, and uh, Juan Archuleta, Juan being the champ now. Um, Leandro Higo is no joke on the ground, and he showed you why like, his top game and his back control is devastating. Um, so kind of at a crossroads now for Ricky. I don't think, you know, he's not that young kid anymore, so he's really going to have to make uh, make some adjustments and make some changes if he really does want to fight at the, uh, at the um, you know, higher end of this division. 135 in Bellator is really good. Um, it's not like he's losing the chumps. Like I said, he is losing to the best guys, but let's just see how old he is real quick. You know, um, yeah, he's 28. He's not, he's not, uh, he's not super young, but he's also not old. I mean, he, you know, he still has a, a few years to kind of ground everything out, but let's look. So he's got losses to Juan. He's got uh, a loss to Patchy, uh, and then Sergio and now Leandro. None of those you can get mad at him for. All great, all great fighters. And yeah, does he, you know, he does seem to have a deficit when you do get him to the ground. He has a great active guard, but then once you pass that guard, it doesn't seem like he has much defense, um, you know, after that. So he's definitely going to have to make some changes. Uh, you know, um, I think he knows what he needs to work on. Uh, that's pretty much just what I'm trying to get at. And, and it just sucks because it's like, um, I don't know if he's calling for these big matchups. I don't know if Bellator's pushing it on him. Because it's just kind of funny when you see a guy like MVP, you know, or I maybe it's in MVP's case, just not a lot of guys. I, I feel like a lot of guys would sign up for that fight in the 170-pound and 185-pound divisions. But it always just seems like he gets these guys nobody knows when who have a losing record. Where then you got a guy like Ricky who you really could have built like a strong name off of after the James fight. Giving him not easy matchups but favorable matchups just to build him up. You know, him being a young cat. But, you know, then you gave him Juan. You gave him Patch. You gave him Sergio. Uh, you gave him Leandro. So I, I just think he's kind of at that crossroads to see, you know, where he kind of fits. And he does need to make those... Uh, those changes, but you know he's still a really big name at 135. He he can get right back on the horse after a couple big wins, and hopefully, hopefully, you know he kind of comes into his own here uh, in the next uh, next couple years. Um, and then uh, you know Chris Cyborg did what Chris Cyborg does. You know Arlene does have really good boxing. Uh, you know we all kind of saw that in her last couple fights, but. Cyborg is a well-rounded monster. Um, I think, you know, that's why she's been so devastating is because even when she's at, uh, you know, and she's hardly ever at a deficit standing up, but when she needs to, she can take that fight to the ground and beat you up. She's got great ground and pound. Great ground and pound, great offensive wrestling. But, you know, it, it, it it's kind of like pick your poison with her. Do you want to get beat up on the floor? Or do you want to get beat up standing up? Either way, you're going to get beat up. doesn't really matter. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just so sick. You know, Cyborg just continues being Cyborg. That That's pretty much just the only way to put to label that fight. And so from here on out, really the only fights to make are either a Kayla Harrison catchweight fight. And they'll have to figure out that shit with PFL. And obviously the Amanda Nunes fight. And I'm all, and just I know everyone just cringed when I said that. But I, I understand, like, there's no way that's going to happen. Uh, Cyborg gave all the power away to the UFC, trying to go blow for blow after she got hurt fighting Amanda. When Amanda hurt her, instead of you know being a vet and figuring out how to get that to the ground or, or, or recover, she just said, well, I've never been in this situation before. No one's been able to take my power. Let me throw back. And it was one of the most devastating women knockouts ever. I mean, 
people don't really I, I you know that I don't think people talk about it enough um but like that's a huge upset I, I know Amanda you know it's not like the biggest upset ever but I mean nobody ever has done that to Cyborg no one's ever even come close to doing that to Cyborg and then to, to flatten her to flatten her I mean, this wasn't like a, you know, like a cyborg threw everything at a new, at Amanda. Amanda didn't go away. And then Amanda just from a tired, uh, kind of broken cyborg just kind of beat her down. No, she flatlined her in a minute. In a minute. I mean, face first flatlined her. Like, do you know how insane that is? That I mean, it, you, it, that was pretty much when it's the equivalent to Fedor getting uh, submitted by Fabricio, but way worse because... She got flatlined. I don't know how else to say it. And yeah, like the women's doesn't have the same stigma and, uh, you know, legacy that the men's do, especially at men's heavyweight. But that is literally the only thing I could compare it to the way it felt. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. It was the same feeling. I When she got flatlined, I had the same feeling I did when Weidman flatlined Anderson. I was in disbelief. I couldn't believe it. That's the only thing I can attribute it to. And again, and I hate, I hate, I hate all of these casual news outlets. And that's the only questions they have for uh, for Scott and for Amanda. Oh, what do you think about the Amanda fight? No fucking shit. She wants the Amanda fight. No shit. That's her only loss. Is it going to happen? No. Like I said, she gave all the power back to the UFC. The UFC never wanted to be in the cyborg business, but they had to be as long as she held that belt. And as soon as she gave that belt up, she might as well have just got like she might as well just left the UFC. Then I know she had one more fight with Felicia Spencer, but they were never going to give her another title shot. They can promote Amanda as the cyborg killer and the greatest female champion of all time. Why the fuck would they roll the dice? trying to put Cyborg back in that conversation. That makes no sense whatsoever for the UFC. If this was a if this was a matter of a big marketable payday, sure, you know, if if Cyborg was a, a big star outside of the UFC, but I mean like what? That's not going to that's not going to break pay-per-view numbers. That's not going to break views on ESPN. And again, going back to, you know, with ESPN, you know, shoveling out cash for each of these events just because they need content and people tuning into ESPN to keep their network alive, they have no incentive, no incentive to do this. So you fucking casuals and you guys out there clamoring for this rematch like it's the only thing possible for Cyborg, shut the fuck up. It's the last thing I'm going to say about it. So very, very, leave Scott alone, leave them all alone, all right? Nobody wants to hear this shit. That's all what we want, but nobody wants to hear this shit because it's not going to happen. Connor has a better chance of fighting Floyd again than Chris Cyborg ever has a chance of fighting Amanda again. Mark me down for it. I'll bet everything on it, all right? God, you guys pissed me off with that shit. All right, moving on. So that was Bellator. Um, and then we got we had UFC. So UFC actually was a, a, a pretty good, uh, pretty good card. Um, you know, you had Jonathan Martinez halting the comeback of Thomas Almeida. I, you know, I don't think this will be uh, uh, Almeida's. You know, like he, he was fighting up a weight class. He usually fights at one thirty-five. I think this fight was at one forty-five. Um, let me see here. Let me just make sure that. Let me just totally make sure of that. Because I remember seeing that that was kind of... Yeah, yeah. So that was at 145. Um, you know, so he was fighting outside of his weight class. So his first fight back in two years. 
Johnny Martinez, uh, you know, he's been looking great. Um, it wasn't the best fight, but you know, it, it's not it's not to uh, nothing to sleep on uh, Thomas Almeida. Sorry, I'm having some technical difficulties. Give me one second. Let me. What the heck happened? Uh, sorry, guys. One second. There we go. Uh, but, yeah, you know, Johnny Martinez uh, gets the win. Uh, we'll see where he goes from here. You know, DC tried doing him a favor and tried getting him to call somebody out, and Jonathan Martinez just wouldn't take the bait. It's just kind of funny because it's kind of like, you know, this uh, this sport is is built on, on marketability and who your name is and people wanting to watch you. And so, you know, it, 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 you really do have to balance out the sport aspect and the entertainment aspect. And you can't go, you can't go heavy on one or the other. Um, you really do need a balance of both. And, you know, guys who, guys who make it far in this sport are guys who have their next guy lined up. Look at Chael Sonnen. Look at Israel Adesanya. Look at Conor McGregor. All the guys who have done this at the highest of levels all have had a guy to call out after. And that's and people take it as like, oh well, no, it's like this. No, 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 no. Okay, this isn't freaking karate. This isn't. Yes, it's martial arts, but this this isn't. Uh, you know, you going into a karate tournament where, or a taekwondo tournament, or any of that. You know, traditional martial arts bullshit where it's all about respect and all that. Yeah, at the end of the day, there's an honor system, but this is also entertainment, like I just said. So you do need to have that next guy lined up. DC tried giving him an out, tried, you know, pushing that down his throat a little bit, and he wouldn't take the bait. So he's definitely going to work on that a little bit. But, you know, I, I see good things out of both guys coming back. And I definitely think Almeida definitely needs to go back down to 135. Claudio Silva, uh, shit in the bed against James Krause, even with a bum knee. Uh, I kind of thought this was Silva's fight to win. I mean, with James taking this on short notice... Um, his previous fight coming up uh, from 185, Claudio Silva having a great record, great ground game, great takedowns. Uh, just couldn't, just couldn't get anything going with James. Um, even with the bum knee, couldn't get him down. Uh, and then James, you know, even in the third round, wasn't super active because he was worried about his knee and just kind of kept pop shotting on the outside. And Silva just stayed there, uh, did did not do anything. Um, I, I was going to uh, make a parlay for this, but I, I didn't end up doing it in time. And thank God, because I would have put Silva in there, but, you know, and he, he totally gave that fight away. And then I thought it was interesting because James Krause called uh, called out uh, Buckley after, you know, Buckley coming off of that great, uh, you know, sp- catch spinning kick knockout from a week ago, kind of, you know, having the buzz of the town this week. And James said, yeah, great knockout, but fuck that guy. So I don't know what really the history is there. I guess they tried working together, but Kraus claims Buckley some, you know, just Instagram whore. So I don't know. We'll uh, we'll kind of see where that story goes from here. Um, I don't know how long James is going to be out with that knee injury, but, you know, keeps being Superman. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, then we had Jimmy Crute. Jimmy Crute. And I'm not even going to try and say Bukakis' name. Bukakis. Boo. Bukaskas, Bukaskas, not Bukaki, but Bukaskas. Oh, dude, just lit him up. Uh, Jimmy Crute is definitely going to be a guy we all got to watch out for at 205. He's still young. Um, you know, he, he got he got stopped by uh, Sirkinov, uh I want to say a year ago, maybe longer than that. Uh, but Jimmy Crute's one of these guys coming off the Contender Series. 
has great finishes. I mean, I don't think he... I think he only has three decisions, and they're all outside of the UFC. This is a great young contender in 205 in the UFC. Uh, You know, this division really is reforming right now after years of just being the worst division uh, in the UFC. Um, So, you know, we got to keep an eye on Jimmy. That was a great, great, great flash knockout. Just uh, counters the leg kick, or I think it was a body kick. Counters the body kick, throws devastating overhand, and just flatlines him. Great, great, great win. And then in the co-main event. In the co-main event, we have Jessica Andrade taking on uh, Caitlin uh, Jukagian uh, in her one uh, 125 debut. And, you know, this was a really, really, really big fight for uh, Andrade. You know, she had that tough fight against Rose. And, you know, if that fight would have went five rounds like the first one did, um, well, the first one obviously didn't go five rounds. But if it was scheduled for five rounds like the first one was, I don't know which way that fight would have won. Rose definitely came on strong first, but I mean, Jessica just put it on her late. And if there was two rounds, I don't know what would have happened. Um, and what's crazy is, you know, usually in a strong competitive fight like that, a, a, you know, a person will kind of tend to stay at that weight class because they're still competitive. But I think this was a great move for Jessica. You know, she can have fresh matchups. She doesn't have to worry about cutting an extra 10 pounds. It's kind of a double-edged sword because this division is super shallow. So she's probably going to get thrown in there right away with uh, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, which, I mean, she's competitive at 115, but, uh, you know, at the top level, but I I don't know, man. I feel like her style is built perfectly for Shevchenko. And and that's that's not anything against Jessica that just goes to show you how far ahead Valentina is. I mean... Valentina will have no... She's not going to be playing inside at all. She's going to use her teep kicks, her long kicks, long strikes in and out. If she needs to get a takedown, it's going to be there. Andrade really doesn't do anything off of her back. You know, Valentina's not going to be there to get punched. She doesn't hang out in the clinch um, without protecting herself. Uh, she definitely doesn't exit with space like uh, Chukagian did. Um, so it's just a bad, bad, bad matchup. But back on this fight, I mean, Jessica looked great. Um, and, and and going in on this, uh, you know, I thought this was a really bad matchup for Caitlin Chukagian. Even though she had the the size advantage in terms of height and length, it's just, it, that's never been a problem for Jessica. It may have been a problem with Ioana, but Jessica's really closed those gaps with, uh, you know, kind of that long, rangy, uh, style and Chukagian didn't have the power and she didn't have the takedowns to keep Jessica on her back. Uh, and I just thought, I, I just thought going into this fight, this was Jessica's fights to lose. Um, but yeah, she looked great. Look, that body work, and that, that's what I love about Jessica. She's not a headhunter, if anything, she goes to, I mean, she might have some of the best body work in MMA. Period. Um, you know, she kind of reminds me of Costa a little bit, but but Jessica's actually more refined, more refined than Costa is, kind of with that that bullying inside game with uh, strong hooks to the body. And I mean, she hit her with that first one, and it, it it hurt me. And that second one, I felt like I got the win knocked out of me. So great win! I just I I, I hope they they build Jessica up a little bit more before they throw her right to Valentina. Let's just let's just take a look who who's at one twenty five right now, because I think uh, I want to say Valentina has to fight Maya now because Maya beat what is it Calderwood who was supposed to get the fight. 
Yeah, so you got Chukagian, Jennifer Maya, Calvillo. Oh, Calvillo might be a good fight to see where she's at. Lauren Murphy, Jessica. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not going to be too many people ahead of uh, Jessica Andrade after this. But hopefully they give her one more fight before putting her up with Valentina. I would like to see one more fight. Um, either with Jeff, uh, Jennifer Maya or, or, I'm sorry, because Jennifer Maya is going to be fighting for the belt. So I guess you got to go Cynthia or, I don't know, somebody else. But yeah, I don't want to see her right away in a, in a title fight. Uh, and then in the main event, you got Brian Ortega coming off a uh, two-year layoff, taking on Chan Sung Jung. And I, I really thought, I, I really didn't like the, oh, this has, uh, this has title implications on it just because of the way Ortega lost to Max and then the time off. I just thought, well, you know, if Ortega does figure out a way to pull this out of his ass at the end, uh, you know, get a submission or a knockout or whatever... Um, I just didn't think, uh, I, I didn't think that that was viable. I just didn't, I was like, oh man, how are you really going to sell me on Ortega versus, uh, Volkanovsky? But man, uh, Brian Ortega just made me eat my words on that one. I, I definitely favored Jung going into this. Um, you know, both of their defenses, their defensive statistics, these guys get hit a lot. And so that's why I was saying like, oh man, like, you know, Chan Sung Jung could be beating the shit out of Brian this whole fight. And then Brian could just at the end pull off something, whether it's, uh, you know, a late takedown and grabs a neck or an arm or hurts him late and then grabs it. And just, I, you know, Chan Sung Jun does that a lot where, you know, he's winning and then decides to get reckless and then he gets caught. Uh, so I, I definitely thought that could happen. But Brian Ortega in the, in the two years off, I mean, made all of the difference. You know, some guys, when they take time off, it's really bad because they're not in the gym. And then so when they come back, they don't even, it, it you know, they look like a shell of themselves. Um, or if a guy's coming off of an injury, you know, there's kind of that confidence like, oh, can I still be the same fighter that I was before I got injured? And now I've had two years off or a year had a year off. But Brian did all the right things. He stayed in the gym and uh, he got better. He tightened up his defense. His offense is better. Uh, just, I mean, he looked great. His kicks were amazing. And obviously that elbow, you know, Jung, I th Jung lost the first round, but I thought he was, you know, I thought he was just kind of waiting to see what Brian was going to throw at him. So Jung could come on kind of, you know, downloading that information. Um, but no, I mean, and then once Jung really did start to get it going in that second round, it all went down the toilet with that spinning elbow. I mean, great timing, great, you know, uh, just great, great job being unconventional for Brian Ortega. I mean, that that elbow really set the precedent for the rest of the fight, and that really shoved Jung at the bottom of the hill, and he could not make his way back up. Um, Jung, you know, tried late, but it was just it, it was too late. Um, Ortega had an answer for everything, and you know, this isn't to go to say this was a cakewalk for Brian. Brian really had to eat some really hard shots late. Um, you know, even though he was dealing the damage, uh, Jung with his his lead hand was just coming right around the guard and just blasting Ortega uh, in his uh, in his left eye. And you know, he had to eat some really good shots, and he really had to bite down on the mouthpiece. So this was in no way it was a clear victory for Brian, but it was not easy, and he really had to stay composed. Um, and that's the kind of maturity you want to see out of a fighter like Brian Ortega, who really does have everything now. Um, you know, he may not have the wrestling game, but who needs the wrestling game when you can hurt guys standing up like that? That may be a problem coming up against Volkanovski, but when it's just, you know, on a on a uh, matchup-to-matchup -matchup basis, like, 
man, dude, he's going to be a problem for a lot of guys at 145. A lot of guys. Because if he, if, if he can hurt you like that standing up now, and he can choke your ass out on the ground, no matter what the position is, motherfuckers are in trouble. Motherfuckers are in trouble. Um, man, I still would like to see, even with him, I still would like to see one more fight with him before fighting Volkanovski, but... You know, again, I, I guess if there's really no one else for Volkanovski to fight right now, I guess you got to do it. But um, let's see if there if I could have one more fight for Brian to take. Let's see what it would be. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I mean, there's. I guess you're fighting down if you fight Zabit, and that might be a little bit dangerous of a fight. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess shit. I, I guess he has to fight Volkanovski because the only other person would be Max. But I. I you know, he's already fought Max, and we saw how that went, and, you know, I feel like that fight would look a lot different now, but I don't think, just where Max is, you know, coming off of those two close Volkanovski fights, I think he needs to fight somebody else, but, yeah, shit, I guess he's gonna have to fight Volkanovski, so I guess we're gonna throw Ortega right back in there in a title fight, uh, so that should be a lot of fun, we'll see, you know, how that pans out, but overall, great, great, great fight. And then, uh, and then we had the big boxing fight. We had Teofimo Lopez fight uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Um, great, great. This is why, but this is where boxing gets it right. When you actually have the two guys that are supposed to fight each other for you know number the number one spot. This is like why do you why does boxing deprive their fans of these fights every year? I mean, I feel like boxing, you know, I'm not saying boxing's dead or anything like that, but it would be way bigger if we actually got the fights we wanted to see. Yeah, are some guys going to have to take a, a blemish on their record? Yeah, but MMA proves that who cares? You know, look at look at the high-level guys in MMA. We don't care about losses. And I know I know the demographics and the and it, they don't always cross over, but I feel like you could definitely condition boxing fans to not give a shit about an O. You know, if you gave them the fights they wanted to see. But when you go from having 35 fights where no one gives a shit, you finally do the big one, you lose that fight, and then you go back to putting up a bunch of fights where you don't care. That's the fucking problem. Is that these guys, yeah, whoever takes the O then has to go fight a bunch of other guys to rebuild his name who they don't really care about, and then so people forget about him. But both of these guys, I mean, Lomachenko after this is going to have a big fight. And obviously, Lopez is going to, I mean, I, I'm sure they'll do a rematch um, if uh, they don't do Lopez and Haney. But this is what happens when the when the best fight the best. That was a great fight. Yeah, did it start out the best? No, but it turned up. It turned up in the end. And, you know, there was a lot going into this fight, you know, both with both guys getting trained by their fathers. Um, you know, both having, you know... They're pretty much whole lives dedicated to the sport, you know. And see, this is what I love. I love the animosity between those two because it was all competitive. It wasn't like stupid jibber jabber about you know with you know a lot of the bullshit you see nowadays when guys trying to happen up a fake night. No, this was all competitive through and through. This was competitive with them. This was competitive with their fathers as their coaches, and so you know. It was all gamesmanship, and that's what I want to see. I want to see these guys, you know, who really, really, really want it because they've dedicated their whole lives to it, and that's what we got in this fight. And you know, this wasn't, um, this wasn't. Uh, how do I say this? You know, a, a lot of people want to say like, "Oh, Lomachenko just didn't didn't do anything in those first rounds, and he gave the fight away." That's I, 
you must not know anything about combat sports if you think that's what happened. Yeah, did Lomachenko put it on more in, in the end? Yeah, that's because Lopez was diminished a little bit, being you know in the tenth round, the eleventh round. And I know I I think I gave Lomachenko the I want to say I gave him like four through or seven through ten I want to say or maybe eight through ten or something like that. But I did give him a lot of those later rounds. But go back and rewatch the fight. Lopez was extremely prepared. That kid is a prof- he's 23 and a goddamn professional. Like he does not show any of the amateurish stuff that you would normally see at a 23-year-old and that's cuz he's a seasoned vet already at 23 and that's what makes that kid damn. Everyone wants to talk about his his knockout power, but no, it's because he shows the maturity of being a season-long vet at 23 years old. That's his best asset. And that's how that's what leads him to his crazy knockouts is because he's so prepared and he's so polished for being only 23 years old. Go back and watch those first five rounds. Lopez had all of Lomachenko's entries completely figured out, and he kept Lomachenko off of his best uh, entries. Anytime Lomachenko would come in and uh, you know faint and dig. Lopez already knew where he was going to be, so he either cut out a different angle or he threw punches to lead uh, um, Lomachenko off the angle, and then any time, and then he was also using his jab to circle uh, Lomachenko into his power. So he was going to the body, or he would start high, he would jab to the head, and then throw that that uh, that cross to the body. He would throw a his own right hook to get Lomachenko to circle off, and then that would throw. Or I'm sorry, he would throw. Uh, Lopez would throw his left hook to get uh, Lomachenko to circle into his right hand. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he just had him completely figured out. Go back and watch. And any time Lomachenko tries to get any of his footwork, any of his angles, or any of his setups off, Lopez was prepared for him. He knew exactly what was coming. And the only reason why Lomachenko was, in my eyes, was able to come on late is because from trying to get Lopez, uh, you know, or from, from having to keep that that forward pressure style and kind of being on it, and you know, even kind of uh, you know having to be on his bike a little bit, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna get you tired. And Lopez is extremely fast, and that just goes to show you how good Vasily is. Uh, actually, it's a testament to how both those guys, uh, how great both those guys are, because Vasily had to wait until Lopez was just a little bit slower. He had to take just a little bit, little bit out of him, and then it was an even fight. And then Lomachenko could come on strong. And even then, Lopez still had answers for him, even though he was a tad bit slower. Um, this was just it. It, it was just a great fight. I, I I do hope that they do a rematch. Because um, it, it was such a great fight, and I would like to see the subtle adjustments that each camp makes to make a you know for Lomachenko to kind of right the wrongs, and then for Lopez to make the exclamation mark like, nope, I can fight this guy, you know, ten times, and I'm gonna win a majority of the times. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, there was there was a lot uh, more I wanted to say, but this fight was just so great. Um, uh, you know, even late, uh, you know, in that 12th round when they both bit down on their mouthpiece and were just gunning it, um, it just goes to show you like what these guys are capable of. Uh, I think Lopez decided to do that because he, I think he felt like he definitely had the fight in the bag and he was ahead. So, 
you know, he didn't want to bow down to Vasily and leave any doubt like, oh, you know, if this fight went any longer, you know, uh, he, he would have the upper hand. And, uh, you know, Lopez proved that, you know, just bite down. And he was losing that 12th round. And then when he decided to bite down on his mouthpiece, won it back. So, um, you know, the stars born with Lopez. That was a great, great, great fight. And again, for you guys saying that, oh, Vasily gave this fight away, go back and rewatch those fights. Go back and rewatch those five rounds and really pay attention to whenever Vasily tries to engage. Whenever he tries to engage, he gets shut out. Again, uh, uh, I think Luke Thomas said something about this. Um, you know, there's something to be said for like, oh, Costa didn't throw anything. Oh, Vasily didn't throw anything. You guys got to pay attention to these games. It's not that those guys don't want to throw. It's the guy they're fighting is prepared and shutting them down. Uh, but that's the last thing I'm going to say on that. That's the, you know, it was a great weekend of fights. Um, uh, it was a great week, great weekend of fights. Uh, you know, I told you guys uh, the fall is going to be a great, 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 uh, you know, even going into November, we got some great fights coming up, so I'm excited. Hopefully boxing can uh, figure out the rest of their schedule and we can see Tyson Fury back in here. Um, but on to, let's move on to the UFC this weekend. Let's do that. We got the big one. So we got uh, we got Khabib taking on Justin Gaethje in the long-awaited title unification bout, and it always seems like these lightweight fights are always unification bouts, but so be it. That's why I like uh, how Justin Gaethje threw away that belt after he beat Ferguson, because that shit doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, but let's see, let's see here. So let's start at the bottom. So hopefully we get Magomed Akanayov taking on Ian. Uh, Kutalaba. I mean, that's been rescheduled like six times. I'm kind of done breaking that down. Um, but Magomed's probably going to win that. If they can actually get to the cage, Lauren Murphy's taking on some chick I don't give a shit about. Don't give a shit about that. All right, so we got Alexander Volkov coming back to take on Walt Harris. Both of these guys kind of got... Uh, they got dealt with in their last fights. Uh, Volkov, you know, got dealt with by Blades, just got taken down at will, got discouraged late, you know... And I think we all kind of figured that was going to happen just because Volkov does not have the wrestling capabilities uh, to handle a wrestler like Blades. And then Walt Harris got dealt with by Overeem. Show looked great early, uh, you know, hurt Overeem. But then, you know, you know, y'all just sleep on Overeem. Y'all think you can just walk over Overeem, but that dude's been doing it way too long, way too long. Um, this should be a great fight, though. Um. I think Walt is going to try and make this dirty. He's going to come in. Uh, he's got to close the distance because Alexander will make him look like a fool um, from the outside. So Walt really does. Uh, he's got to kind of take a book out of uh, Blades. Uh, he's got to take a chapter out of Blades' book. And try and do the same thing. I'm not saying Walt has that kind of wrestling, but he's got to make it dirty. He's got to keep him up against the fence. Um, you know, he's kind of almost got to do like a like a Shane Carwin on Frank Mir. You gotta you gotta die for that one underhook, and then with your free arm, hopefully it's his it's his strong hand, and he's just gotta go to work on the body and on the head. Because uh, if he stays at distance with Alexander, it's gonna be a long, or it could be a short night. Um, I'm gonna favor Alexander just based on he's fought better competition, he's done better against top competition, and he's he's kind of seen it all. He's 31 and eight. Walt Harris is 13 and eight. Um, 
But I feel like Alexander has the tools to get this done. Uh, I'll be rooting for Walt just because of his story, but I think Alexander gets it done. Really good heavyweight matchup, though. Uh, and then the co-main event. Fuck. I think this might be... I, I think I might be more excited for this fight than the main event. You got Robert Whitaker, Whitaker taking on Jared Cannonier. Um, I don't even know where to start with this fight. Uh, Jared Cannonier coming down, you know, has a, you know, fought at heavyweight comes down to 205 and then now is just looks like a shredded beast at 185 and it's going to show you because these guys don't have shit for him at 185 i mean he's undefeated and he, he you know i think uh hermanson took him down early in that first fight got his back and then jared cannonier got right back up and then put the fucking mustard on him i mean these guys i, I think you know being you know 250 or whatever or 24 whatever he was weighing in at a heavyweight and then cutting all that weight like his frame he's a, that's a strong dude so if you guys think you're just gonna come in there and bully him like you know he's some dude coming up from 155 or 170 you know you're wrong that guy's gonna bully you and he's got the striking credentials to back it up i mean this dude puts a hurting on you um you know, I I thought actually I thought he should have gotten the title fight against Adesanya when uh, Romero filled in uh, for Costa that first time, and I don't know what happened ultimately, but I thought Cannonier should have been the one get, you know filling in there. But I'm kind of glad he didn't because now we get this great fight with Rob, and you know this is a great time to have this fight because Robert's coming off that great tail win. That was such a disciplined effort. You know, Till's not a fun fight for anybody, even at 185. Um, that kid can hurt you at any moment, and he, you know, he's not a, a, a blitzing guy. That guy will, you know, wait for you to overcommit and then just kill you. Um, and so, you know, he really showed uh, he was po or composed. He was efficient, and he did all the right things in order to pull that victory out. Um, kind of showed his veteran, uh, you know, veteran game there too. And, you know, Robert was saying, dude, I have to go through all those injuries and the, you know, his, or having to go from that initial run up middleweight where all he did was clear out all the killers. He beat Jacare, he beat Brunson, he beat, um, he beat all those guys on his way up to, um, you know, up to his title fight, had those two crazy fights with Romero, which left him, you know, his body will never be the same after those two fights. And then gets thrown right into that fight with Izzy, or and before that has supposed to have a fight with Gasolum, but that goes under the water. Just in all of his injuries, I totally, you know, usually when when guys, you know, uh, when guys poke fun at guys, um, or when guys, you know, say like, oh, they're not motivated and all that kind of stuff, like kind of take it with a grain of salt because. You know, it's like none of these guys, you know, are all of these guys at a certain point, they've been in the game so long, it, yeah, it wears on you and you have to find, you know, a different kind of motivation to get, uh, uh, to kind of pull yourself through training camp um, and to keep put, you know, putting yourself out there each and every day to keep, you know, keep getting to that ultimate goal. And so, I, but with Robert, I totally believe it. I, I mean, I couldn't imagine going through what he went through with all that. And I know everyone has their own shit, but... I, I, you know, I think he proved us all, you know, when he was initially saying that going into the till fight, you know, kind of like, eh, but then when he comes out looking the way he did and he's in interviews and he's smiling and he's laughing where he usually hates it, hates that kind of shit, you know, the, the proof's in the pudding, like he does really enjoy this process now, or at least it seems to be that he enjoys this process now. 
So that's why this fight is going to be great. It's going to be great standing up. I'm sure Whitaker is going to mix in some takedowns just to get Jared thinking about it. So I really can't wait for this fight. I really have no idea who to, who's going to win. I almost, I kind of favor Cannoneer, but I mean, maybe that's just some bias because like I kind of want to see fresh blood at 185. I don't know. I mean, I know the the uh, Robert Adesanya 2 fight is great, but I just feel like, I, I just at this point, in MMA, I just always want to see fresh matchups. Um, I don't know how different an Adesanya Whitaker fight would go. Um, I, I'd love to see it, but right now I think it's Cannoneer's time. And then we got the big one, the big one, the big one, the big one. Finally, Khabib returns after a year off, not for his uh, his sake, but just you know, on un, uh, you know unforeseen circumstances with COVID and all the other hoopla and whatnot. But we got him fighting Justin Gaethje. And guys, to me, this is definitely his toughest matchup. He may go in there and prove that this is just like the rest of them and that, you know, Gaethje still doesn't have anything for him. But fuck, when you close your eyes and you picture these two going at it and you picture Justin leg kicking Khabib, maybe Khabib gets takedowns early but can't, you know, can't really sustain, you know, probably does damage, but, you know, can't get, uh, can't get Gaethje out of there. Um, and then you, you know, you could totally see Gaethje coming on late. I just, I, I, every way I look at this, I just see Khabib being in trouble at some point. And that's what really gets me excited for this. Um, fuck. I just, uh, I, this is definitely the most dangerous fight. Yeah. To, you know, Dustin, you know, a lot of people will kind of go back on, on Dustin and be like, oh, well, if he could do it to Dustin, he could do it to Justin. No pun intended. But uh, I just don't see that. Gaethje has the wrestling background. You know, he's he's kind of he's Chuck Liddell. He's a he's a twenty twenty Chuck Liddell, as in he doesn't use his wrestling offensively. He uses it to keep it on the feet. Um, and so I'm not again. I'm not saying Khabib can't take him down, but I don't see Khabib really. Let me rephrase that. I don't see Khabib being able just to bully Justin the way he's been able to bully everyone else. Um, and maybe that's just me romanticizing, you know, Gaethje's skills, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe Khabib's fine, you know, he, he, Khabib's probably in that, uh, in that same boat, you know, with, with, uh, with Anderson and GSP and John Jones, where you really don't know until you know, like you're always gonna just think no one's gonna ever be able to hang with them until somebody does, um, and I just think this is the perfect storm. You know, and, and what really makes me think that is I think this might be the perfect storm for Justin. And when I say the perfect storm, I mean Khabib's been out a year. He's had his father die, which I'm not harping on that. I just mean that, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Um, he, you know, he really wasn't able to train in San Jose. Uh, Javier had to fly out to Russia a few times. So he really wasn't in that in that AKA environment. Um, he's already talking about retiring. He's already talking about his final fight after this. And usually when a guy has, you know, half a foot out the door or a whole foot out the door, it's usually when you start to see a guy's demise. Retirement talk and, you know, that kind of talk, it, it never suits well for, for, uh, for, uh, for, for that fighter. And, you know, you can't be talking like that with a guy like Justin Gaethje. You know, this isn't, um, you know, Justin's really dangerous. Justin is super, super, super dangerous. Um, 
everywhere. Well, obviously not like a not a real submission threat, but I mean on the feet, he he more than anybody can that guy hurt you. Uh, even more so than Connor. Uh, it, it with this with this matchup wise, um, I not seeing Justin getting tired, and if he does, that dude's second wind is. I mean, he can pull that out of no, anywhere. Um, I just uh, I, I I again, I really feel like this is the perfect storm for Justin Gaethje, and I'm actually favoring him to win. Um, again, anytime a guy talks about, you know, having a foot out the door and future matchups against a guy as dangerous as Justin, this doesn't, this doesn't really, uh, usually the math on this doesn't add up. Um, but super excited for this fight card. I can't wait. Um, you know, it was, it was super stacked. We had, uh, we had RDA and Makachev on here. We were supposed to have Dustin and Ferguson, and that really would have just, those two fights would have been the icing on the cake for this card. I mean, those top two fights really, uh, you know, really make it stand out. But man, if you had a full card like that, that's definitely up there for on paper, one of the best fight cards ever. Um, And you know what's funny is, you know, this whole Michael Chandler thing, because he was supposed to be on this card, well, he's going to fly out to be the fill-in just in case something happens with those two. But what a waste. I mean, this whole situation is a waste. If you're going to pay that guy to go be the backup, why don't you give him a fight so you can you can use that highlight? I mean, even if it's maybe he doesn't want to take uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, somebody in the bottom end of the top 10, but you could find somebody to get him in there with just to get him a pay. but I mean, I guess if he doesn't want to if he wants to get paid and not fight, I mean, so be it. You know, he is 34, he's at the twilight, and so I guess, you know, any, any of those fights at 155, they're they're uh, they're winnable, but they're, you know, it's not a cakewalk. But I just feel like on the UFC's end, like, you could have given him somebody. Give him somebody you can make a highlight reel off of, so if he does got to fight Khabib, or he does have to fight Justin next, you got some footage on him, man. You know, not everybody who watches UFC is going to be feel familiar with Chandler. Just because they know everyone in the UFC doesn't mean they know Michael Chandler. Um, I love Michael Chandler. I've been watching that guy since he, you know, in his initial run at lightweight uh, in Bellator when he, you know, upset um, when he upset uh, Eddie Alvarez. And what's crazy is is that fight. If if that fight would have happened a weekend after, a weekend before Shogun versus Henderson, that fight would definitely um, it would definitely have a lot more notoriety. It just happened to fall on at the time UFC's best main event which was shogun versus henderson the first one um but yeah again if that happened on a different night th- that would definitely you know be somewhere in a mma hall of fame uh if we ever get there uh, i mean it still is but i just mean it would definitely have a lot more notoriety uh if it didn't happen on the same night um but yeah just such a waste i wish they could have put him in there with somebody um you know what let's just we'll wrap that up so uh thank you guys for tuning in uh, i will come back with a recap uh i'm gonna try and bust these out every monday so every morning uh every monday you will have a recap and a preview of what's going on and then a news little news breakdown um i'm also going to be coming out i want to do a lay of the land type series with 135 after Corey sanhagen's big win over marlon marais so look for that i think i might do that tomorrow Um, So just keep an eye on on that. Uh, Until next time, make sure you answer the call. Thanks for tuning in.